Hello, and welcome to this Solus Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We pray that God speaks to you today through this message. For more sermon content and information, visit solaschurch.com. Okay, the book of Micah. The book of Micah. Now, if you're joining us here for the first Sunday, even if this is a reminder, uh, what, what we're doing here with each of these books, as I said, studying whole books of the Bible, is we're, we're taking some time each week, and we have really two main goals. The first main goal is to understand some context, what's going on with and in and through the book and the prophet Micah. We want to have an understanding of what we have open here. Uh, but ultimately, we want to do more than just fill our heads with knowledge. That's not the whole point of knowing God and knowing his word. We want to open up our lives and hearts for God to speak into our lives, to speak into who we are and where we are right now. Uh, scripture itself affirms its purpose in that in 2 Timothy 3. It says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for instruction in righteousness, to lead and guide our lives. And all scripture includes the minor prophets, and it also includes the prophet Micah. And so here's how we start. We start with some context, and then we're going to get to what we're going to call our major message. So just a little roadmap for where we're headed. Uh, this is how we've begun each uh, study so far with what we're calling our prophet profile. So if our prophet had an Instagram, this would be his bio, all right? We, we, we creep in here, all right, and we take a look at Micah, and we want to ask these four key questions that help us get a general overview of what we're looking at here. We're asking, what is the title of the book? What's the prophet's territory? Where, are they, where is their uh, ministry being uh, fulfilled? What's the time frame? Uh, not just numeric numerically, but what's going on? And then what is the task that the prophet has in that context? So let's start with the title. Uh, obviously, you see it there in Micah. If, or if you're in Micah 1, you see it there in verse 1. This is a pretty consistent way that these prophets start. It says, the word of the Lord that came to Micah. Now, this is the order of a prophet's ministry, God's word comes to them in order that it might come through them. That's what a prophet, by the way, was supposed to do. A prophet wasn't someone who had was looking on at culture and was like, I have an insight into that. I have a hot take. So I'm going to stand up on my prophet's soapbox and preach to it. That, that's not what a prophet's job was. A prophet was someone that God uniquely appointed and anointed to speak his word to his people. And so a prophet was just like available for God's word to come to him and through him. All right, that's what it was. And they were fully abandoned to that. Like they risked their lives for it. The, we saw Jonah last week uh, risking a lot to go to the people of Nineveh, for example, who weren't too nice to their enemies. We, I won't get into the gruesome details of that again. If you're looking uh, to get some more information, you can check out the podcast. But uh, we saw in Jonah, right, the risk that a prophet would run to be fully abandoned to the ministry, the message, and the mission of God's word. And so that's, that's another, we got another one here, Micah. So this guy Micah, the word of the Lord comes to him. Now, what do we know about Micah? Um, Micah was a man, it tells us there, of Morasheth. So he was, uh, this town is like, is like southwest of, of Jerusalem. It's like a rural country town, okay? Who says God can't do big things in the lives of people who come from small places, all right? Remember Jesus? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's what Nathaniel said about Jesus. Well, you'd probably say that about Morasheth. Can anything good come out of Morasheth? Can anything good come out of Boca? All right? And it's like, well, Micah. Here's a guy named Micah, a little country boy. He's a good old boy from Morasheth, and this is God's prophet. Uh, some fun facts here. Uh, first, the name Micah 
it's actually a nickname. It means who is like the Lord. That's what his, his name means. So uh, what you see here is probably a spiritual upbringing that his parents had for them. I think that's something important, obviously, that we see in his life. They named him based on their hope for his destiny and his life and his ministry. Um, I, I think there's a, there's a whole message, a whole series you could preach on intentional parenting rather than passive parenting that just kind of says, you know, I'll just kind of live with my kids and see how they end up. Uh, Micah's parents were like, no, we're naming you, bro. All right. Your name is who is like the Lord. We're intentional parents. Intentional parenting is such an important thing. It's, it's interesting how you see in many world religions, there's some kind of parenting, intentional parenting focus of whether it's transitioning boys to manhood or, or, um, or young girls to, to womanhood. Um, and I think it's an area that probably the American church could use some focus, right? Parents, like intentional parenting, and we're being intentional about who our kids are and who they're becoming and what's shaping them. And so Micah, we see he, he had this, this spiritual upbringing. His name means who is like the Lord. What a great name. Who is like God? We're going to see that's actually the last point of this book. Uh, Micah ends this book asking that question, which is so cool. Uh, kind of seeing that come full circle. He was named who is like the Lord. He's a prophet. And the, at the end of his ministry, his message is his name. He's like Micah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's awesome. He's like, who is like the Lord? That's how he ends his ministry. It's a nickname. Micah is short for, anybody know? Any guesses? Micah. No. Um, you're like, Micah. Um, don't write that down. Um, Micah is short for Micaiah. Micaiah, if you've heard that name before. I have a, I have a friend named Micaiah. Um, it's a nickname. Anybody in here? By the way, let's see. How many of you guys go by a nickname? Like the, you're, the name that you're called is not the name on your birth certificate. Awesome. Awesome. How many of you guys, here's a question. How many of you guys don't go by a nickname and people have given you a nickname? That's another one. I like how Alex raised his hand in the back and I introduced him as Doniv. That's his last name. Okay, I get that. I get Lundy a lot. That's a tough one, right? It's like, because nobody, I don't want to be rude, but I'm not Andy. Never been. Never been. That's an Andy, okay? All right, Brittany pointed to her sister. Um, but but I'm, so it's funny, when I'm around people, like I've just never, it's like Drew, I got in that a little bit. Um, I'm Andrew, you know, uh, what do people, I love when people ask me, like, what do we call you? It's like Father, Reverend, I'm like, Andrew is, is my name, <laughs> what shall we call you, <laughs> you know, it's what my parents named me. Um, it's funny, when people introduce me as Andy, sometimes I literally, it goes so over my head, I'm like, oh, where's Andy? Who's, is there an Andy here? Oh, you're talking, okay. So, no, by the way, if you've called me Andy before, I, there, I didn't second guess it. I didn't, I wasn't like, what's your problem? But, nicknames. Um. Andrew. Okay, so this is not about me. This is about Micah. Okay, Micah, nickname for uh, Micaiah, who is like the Lord. Now, let's get a little bit more insight so we know, we know that much about this guy. Small town boy, all right, living in an Israel world. And he is nicknamed who is like the Lord. You like that? Now, Micah's territory, this is important. I'm going to stop joking. We'll get serious now, okay? Um, Micah's territory is the entire nation of Israel, the entire nation of Israel. Notice there in verse 1, it's the word of the Lord that came to Micah, which he saw at the end of verse 1 there, look at your Bibles, concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Samaria and Jerusalem. 
Remember, at this time, the nation of Israel has been split, divided up into two kingdoms, north and south. The capital of the northern kingdom is Samaria. The capital of the southern kingdom of Judah is Jerusalem. This is the prophet's way of saying, I'm called to the whole people of Israel. And this is unique because most prophets we look at, they're called to like a certain group of people, like either within Israel or outside of Israel. But Micah, uh, in the book of Isaiah, who, by the way, Isaiah was one of the contemporaries of Micah, Isaiah and Hosea and Amos were the three contemporaries of Micah. And, and Isaiah says about Micah that he spoke to all of Israel. So a lot of us, we don't know too much about Micah. What we're going to see um, is we know a lot of the popular verses that come out of this book, but I think it's important to say that God gave this small town boy a big platform. Like God gave this guy a really big platform. A platform, this is usually how it is. God usually gives big platforms to those that are just small in their own eyes and, and small in the eyes of the world because that's what God likes to do. He likes to display his power in weakness, right? In, in nobodies. He likes to do great things um, through people like you and me. Um, and so, uh, but it's cool, his territory, man, big platform, the entire nation. And when I say the entire nation, it names there the capital cities, Samaria and Jerusalem. But when you read through uh, Micah 1, uh, Micah, he's bringing judgment on the nations, and he's actually ca even calling out like small rural towns. He's not just going after the urban centers of Israel, he's like the whole nation. Like, he's not leaving one stone unturned. He's called to every, even the little small town group over there in, like, Okeechobee, you know, Indian town. Like, he's calling out just every single uh, uh, group of people, um, which is really interesting. A lot of the, the towns he's named, we don't even know where they were. Um, but that's Micah's calling. To, so big platform, small beginning, big platform. Time frame, this is where it gets good and important. Time frame around 750 to 686 B.C., uh, this is a time in Israel's history. Here's a really important background. This is where we're going to kind of get into our message here now. This is a time in Israel's history when corrupt civil, political, and spiritual leaders were leading the nation further and further away from God and into his judgment. This is what's going on in the nation of Israel. A time... When civil leaders, judges, those that were there to bring righteousness and justice, uh, political leaders, those that were to politically lead and govern uh, the nation, and most importantly, we know Israel was this theocracy, so there's spiritual leaders involved in that as well, who were leading the nation further and further away from God. Um, let me show you where we see this. You can turn there, but I'm going to put a lot of the references up uh, today. So we, we see this indictment against these leaders in Micah 3. Uh, and I said, hear now, O heads of Jacob, and you rulers of the house of Israel. So that's who he's really calling out in this book. He calls out all the people, but he starts with the leaders because, the, because you know, uh, by and large, where the, na where the nation's leaders go, the people often follow. Where the leaders in general go, where the church's leader, leaders go, the people follow, by and large. I'm not saying that God doesn't create leaders within the followers, okay? But by and large, as the leaders go, so do the people. And so Micah's indicting the leaders. Um, he says, the heads of Jacob, the rulers of the house of Israel. And look at, look at some of the things he's calling them out for. He goes, is it not for you to know justice? Isn't that your job as a leader to know what's right and wrong and help lead people towards that? He says, you who hate good and love evil. Romans 13 calls us to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. 
Look at this indictment. You're those who hate good and love evil. And here's, now there's some really poetic, this is why we love the prophets, very poetic. This Hebrew literature that, that's, that makes you kind of step back and like you would normally just like, like read it like, oh, this is just boring information. And that, then there's just like this poetic language, like a good song that gets you like to kind of step back and go, whoa, what's going on here? So the way that Micah begins now to describe these leaders is he starts calling them cannibals. Like the way they're leading, he's like, you're like cannibals in your leadership. The way that you're tearing apart the people you're leading. He says, you strip the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones. You also eat the flesh of my people. You Chick-fil-A their skin from them. That's heavy, all right? You doesn't say Chick-fil-A. It's break their bones, look at, and chop them in pieces like meat for the pot, like flesh in the cauldron. Good morning again. Welcome back to church. Last week was a little rough with the Ninevites. This, this is the Bible. This is what God's saying to the leaders. This is how seriously God takes the, the responsibility of a leader. He's like, this is how you're leading. You're, you're cannibalizing my people. You're eating them up. You're taking your power, and instead of using it for good, you're destroying the people. Um, it says this, that these leaders, they will cry out to the Lord. Notice this, but God will not hear them. So judgment's coming upon them, certain judgment. He'll even hide his face from them at that time. This is important for a Jew because the benediction, the Abrahamic benediction was, may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Trust me, we all want lives where God's face is shining on us, is, is facing towards us. His blessing, that, the idea signifies God's favor, his attention, his blessing. This is the opposite of that. God is hiding his face from us. When God's face is upon you, it speaks of relationship. When his face is turned from you, it speaks of rejection because they have been evil in their deeds. He speaks to the prophets. He says, thus says the Lord concerning the prophets, and here it is, who make my people stray. So that's what's going on. They're leading the people away from God. Um, and they chant. Now notice these prophets. Look, look at these people, the spiritual leaders. They chant peace while they chew with their teeth but notice this, but they prepare war against him who puts nothing in their mouths. Okay, so what's going on here? You have some classic manipulation of the ministry. You have people who are called to speak God's word to God's people, but instead what they're doing is they're using their platform for selfish gain. Okay, and so, so notice what he says they do. Anytime the people of Israel are feeding the prophets making it rain, filling up that tithe box, you know what I'm saying? Like blessing. Anytime the blessing is coming into the prophet's life and his mouth is full, they speak peace. Oh, just suddenly as I got really full from all the food you gave me and money you gave me, God's not going to judge you anymore, right? They're like, okay, good, we got to keep feeding the prophet, all right? But as, as soon as their mouths are empty, war's coming. So this is just classic manipulation of ministry here. And I just want to give you this picture of what's going on. And so here's what God's indictment and, and judgment against these prophets are. I think this is really interesting. Therefore, to these prophets, you shall have night without vision. You've heard of night vision, goggles. But this is night without vision, okay? This, in other words, it's going to be dark, really dark. You shall have darkness without divination, no illumination from God. And this, this is really tragic in the nation of Israel with all the corruption happening in leadership, both morally, politically, civilly, and spiritually. God says the sun shall go down on the prophets and the days shall be dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners abashed. Indeed, they shall all cover their lips for there is no answer 
from God. This is what's going on. Now judgment's coming to these leaders. I want you to see a little bit more, then we'll come back. Now hear this, you heads of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel who abhor justice and pervert all equity, who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Her heads judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for pay. A bad reason to get into the ministry. A bad reason to lead. Again, all selfish gain. Her prophets divine for money, yet they, in, in futility, they lean on the Lord. And they say, is not the Lord among us? The only thing worse than like directly rebelling against the God of the universe is to rebel against him, but think he's on your side at the same time. And be like, isn't God with me? Right? Does, isn't God, don't I have God? That's a dangerous place to be, to be self-deceived into the favor of God when you are his opponent, his enemy. Like you're, you're and man, I see this today still in the church. I see this uh, in a lot of ways. Um, no harm. Look at, they're, they're, they're invincible. I'm a prophet, right? No harm could come upon me. But God says, therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins, and the mountain of the temple like the barren hills of the forest. So just good times in Israel. Things are, things are rough, okay? Uh, and mostly, again, here's the, the time frame. Here's what's going on. So you kind of get, I wanted to give us that full picture from the book of Micah. Uh, that's God's heart towards Israel at this time. The whole nation is being led astray by corrupt politicians, by corrupt civic leaders, by corrupt, corrupt spiritual leaders. There's just this mass uh, straying away from God because of the leaders, uh, and that's what's going on. But it's important, it's important to point out that the people who were following, this is important, God brings special judgment upon leaders when they lead people away from him. But the people who follow them are not innocent. The people who follow the false teaching, the people who follow the false direction, it's not like God's looking on going, I'm just going to judge the leaders. God is going to judge the whole nation of Israel. And a lot, a lot of it goes upon the leaders, but it wasn't just the leaders. Now, they have these false prophets, and Micah tells us in chapter 2, there's a reason why false prophecy is trending in Israel. There's a reason why it's so popular. Because Micah 2.6 says that the people were saying, do not prattle. Don't prattle. So that's what they're saying to the prophets. Do not prattle, you say to those who prophesy. Don't speak. Don't prophesy. This is what was going on in the nation of Israel. This is the breeding ground for being led away from God. This is, this is like the ripe soil for false doctrine. This is the ripe soil for false prophets to just be raised up and to have a greater voice. Is Here's what you do. You close off your ears to the truth. You say, no, don't speak. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. So, that, so that's what they were doing. Do not prattle, you say, to those who prophesy. The true prophets, and Micah had a tough ministry. Micah's ministry was at a time where he was speaking what no one wanted to hear. And a time when people were, were refusing to hear. And so it's important to see that. The judgment that's coming against Israel is not just for the leaders. It's for the people who are propping these leaders up. Uh, it reminds me a lot of what Paul says to Timothy about the church in the last days of which I think we are pretty closely connected to. Um, I'm no end times expert, but we're definitely closer to the last days than we've ever been. That makes sense chronologically, doesn't it? 
I think it makes sense spiritually too. Uh, but here's what Paul says about the church in the last days. He, he's speaking to Timothy. He's a young pastor. And he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. He puts this big weight on the ministry. Who will judge the living and the dead as his, at his appearing and his kingdom. Here's the charge. Preach the word. Okay? Yeah, we want that, right? Um, even in a culture that's saying, don't, be quiet, don't preach it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, which gives way for other teachers to be raised up, other leaders to be raised up. Paul says, no, Timothy, preach the word, I love this, be ready in season and out of season. Preach God's word when it's received and preach God's word when it's not. Just keep preaching the word of God. Convince, All right? Now, that's an important one. He's not like just stand up on the corner and yell at people. He's like, no, have conversations. Try to you know, convince them. You're not going to convince them by yelling at them. All right? We can take a page out of that book, can't we? Right? Like, learn to have relationships and conversations. The goal is not to win the argument. It's to win the person. Right? So convince. Rebuke. Call, call a spade a spade. Rebuke. Exhort. Call people up with all long suffering. That's the key thing there. Not frustration, but love. And with teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But notice this. Here's the people according to their own desires. When they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Where do false teachers come from? Come from people. Come from the group of masses of people who are like Israel, closing their ears to God's word and, and propping up other voices. And here's the reason why. Because they will turn their ears away from the truth. So Paul says, in light of this, Timothy, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry in season or out of season, whether it's popular or not. I just want to say, by the way, if you haven't noticed it yet... Boldly proclaiming and preaching the truth of God's word is not popular anymore. We're out of season. I, I, would, I pray that, a se- that the season comes back where everyone's like, yay, confront my sin. You know? Tell me to repent, please. Like I need. But by and large, we are, we, we are not moving back towards the, the spiritual kind of assumptions we had as a nation we are a part of in America in the West we are part of a post-Christian society a post-Christian culture that's moving further and further towards an anti-Christian culture it's out of season this is what it was like in the time of Israel so Micah's a a relevant guy for us to study because here's what, what Micah in light of all this okay what was going on in Israel what was going on with their leaders here's what Micah's ministry was here was his task To faithfully, passionately, and boldly proclaim God's word to a people who didn't want to listen. Yeah, people aren't listening, but I want you to still faithfully preach. I want you to passionately preach. Key key idea there of passion is compassion. I want you to care. And I want you to do it boldly. I don't want you to water down the message when people start getting offended. Because you don't live to please man. You live to serve God. So boldly, this is what Micah's task was. To boldly preach it to people who didn't want to hear it. So are you still in Micah chapter 1? So in Micah 1, in verse 2, look at the first word 
Look at the first word out of the mouth of the prophet Micah in his ministry. Somebody say it when they see it. Micah 1-2. What's the first word? Here. Here. Now, this is Micah's thing. Okay? Micah, over and over and over again in, the, in his book, he uses the phrase here or the word here now, which kind of reminds me of like a, a Rasta. Uh, uh, what's that? Yeah. Kind of like, hear me now, hear me now. But anyway. Um, here now. Okay? Um, Micah is constantly telling the people, open up your ears. This is his ministry. Listen. He's calling the people to open their ears because they've closed their ears. So this is, again, tied to his task. Uh, and, and here is uh, when we see this idea, Micah's task to preach God's word to people who weren't listening, and also this call for the people to hear God's word. Um, what we see is we see the reason why. Uh, the reason why is the, uh, the major message of the book of Micah, and it's this. Uh, the major message of the book of Micah is the vital nature of God's received word. So we're, we're just kind of bringing this all together now. We, we try to do this every week, kind of go, what, what's going on here? So we get an idea there. You have people who are being led astray uh, by these false leaders, and, and they themselves are responsible because they've closed their ears to the prophets, and so they've closed their ears to God's word, and Micah's message to them in task is to preach God's word still and call the people to listen, call the people to hear. Now, a, a lot of the book of Micah is judgment. It's kind of actually this, con it's really hard to read through. It's like this complex mixture of judgment and hope. It's like, oh, oh gosh, you know, that's bad. Oh, yay. Oh, no, no, it's not good. Okay. Like you kind of read through it and you're like, Are th how, is it sunny or is it dark? Like um, ultimately it culminates in Jesus. But, uh, but there's a major message that, that this book reveals to us today when we see a, a ministry like Micah preaching God's word to God's people when they didn't want to listen. The reason why Micah was called to do this, okay, is because of the vital nature, the life or death nature of God's word either being rejected or received. God looked on at his people Israel and he sent a prophet to them because he knew that the direction of their future was directly connected to what they were going to hear. What would they receive? This is why it's so important to preach. Why should we hear? Why should we listen? Why should we receive the truth of God's word? Why should we preach it? Because lives depend on it. That's the idea. It matters for eternity. It matters for a nation. In fact, that's what God says to the people in Micah 2, verse 7. This is an incredible question that God asks Israel. He says, is the spirit of the Lord restricted are these his doings? In other words, is the reason why your life is the way it is and your future is headed towards the way it's headed and judgment is coming the way it is, is that because God is restricted and he's lost control and he's, he's pushed you away? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? Here's what God is saying. The reason why your life is headed is where, where it's headed is directly connected to your relationship with God's word. Not just if you're hearing it, but are you heeding it? Because God's, and this is something that I think we grow in uh, the more and more we walk with the Lord, but it's this, this confidence that um, right now, the thing that's restricting God's work in my life is not God. Right? It's not you. 
We could pray like that and kind of be false deceived. Like, Lord, where are you? He's like, I'm here. I've always been here. The Lord is not restricted. God has, has no limits. He's unrestricted. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a miracle what God can do in and through a life. Beyond anything we can ask, dream, or imagine. What is it then that restricts the Lord? He's unrestricted. So that what restricts him then? It's us. It's our ears. It's our lives. It's, it's saying, God, I, I know your word does good, but it, it's offensive. I, I don't want to hear it. And so listen, again, that's the major message of this book, the vital nature of God's received word. And this is not just an Old Testament principle, right? This is uh, James. In the book of James chapter 1, he says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, speaks of repentance, he says, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So this is a New Testament principle as well. It's interesting, the language there, filthiness and overflow of wickedness, it literally means build up. And, and it's a medical term that speaks to an auditory impairment that's happening because you got too much of that stuff up in there. You know what I'm saying? All right, too much wax is going on, okay? And so you're actually impaired through sin and in heart and heart, you're impaired from being able to receive from God. Um, I think I've told you guys this story like 50 million times when I was having really bad hearing issues. Um, I already... I already do, uh, um, and so, but there was like one year specifically where I would like snap and like I couldn't hear it, and I was like 22 years old, and I remember like, I I like a good 22 year old medical student, um, I thought I wasn't a medical student. I thought to myself, I could fix this. I just need Q-tips, you know, and so I'll just just think that I'm a doctor here, and it just made it worse okay so i went to uh, a walk-in clinic at target and this guy you ever seen those things they spray in that jazz it's miraculous okay and he sprayed i couldn't hear anything he sprayed this thing in my ear let's just speak biblically the filthiness and the overflow was removed okay in the name of the lord and i have never heard so good in my life I could hear, like, other people's thoughts. Like, I was, <laughs> I heard, I was like, is there a bug in here? And they're like, no, it's in the other room. I'm like, my. <laughs> all right, and this just speaks to, like, our hearing ability. That's what, that's what Mike is all about, right? And, and it's such a great question to ask. Like, right now in your life, are you hearing God? Let's just stop. Are you hearing from him? There's a lot to be said about positioning yourself to listen, but are you hearing him? What's he saying to you? What does he want to say to you? Over your life, what has he said to you? And right now, with all you know about what he said, hearing isn't, I know what he said. Hearing is, I'm heeding it. I'm receiving it. It's vital because it's going to change me. It's going to save me. A relationship with God's word, understanding the power that it has in my life, man. And so, again, all throughout this book, you have Micah calling people, man, in light of this, just hear, hear, listen. Hear and receive God's word like your life depends on it. And, and again, to hear means to heed as true. Okay, it's like me right now saying, hey, there's a fire. Okay, now, I, you should probably believe me because I have the microphone, so hopefully you would leave if there was. But it's one thing to go, oh, I heard him. There's a fire in here. I know that. Fireology, okay? I got that info. I know the reference. It's another thing to heed that is true. 
like, okay, I gotta get, I gotta take cover. I gotta respond. That's what God is calling his people to do, calling them to hear. And again, this idea of hearing, uh, Jesus, oftentimes when Jesus would preach, he would use this call. He would say hard things, he would say heavy things, and he would say things like, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right? Now, he who has ears, okay, I got ears, okay. But do you have ears to hear? You have ears to receive what God has to say. And this is also said to the churches of Revelation. Revelation 2.29. He who has an ear to hear. Notice this. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You get the idea, right? God speaks. And we are blessed when we listen. It's vital to receive the implantation of God's word. His implanted word is what James says. Now, when you look at Micah. Why don't you go ahead and jot this down. When you look at Micah is you see uh, three specific things that he wants them to hear. He wants God's people to have ears to hear what God first says about sin and salvation. This is the story of Micah. And so I'd recommend, too, that you read through Micah this week. It's a great, like, sp- you could spread it out over the next five days, seven chapters. You could do, like, one and two, and it, it spreads out nicely. And I'd recommend you to read through this book. And what you're going to see is you're going to see Micah generally calling God's people to hear, to have ears to hear for the sake of their lives, to heed as true these three things. First, what God says about sin and salvation. Second, what God simply wants from his people. And and, and third, what God shows about his character. Three vitally true things. Three vitally, life-savingly true things for us to hear and heed about God. What he says about sin and salvation. What he simply wants from his people. What does he want from us? It's important to hear that from God, right? God, what do you want from me? And what God shows us about his character. Uh, Let's look at that first one. What what God says about sin and salvation. Uh, it's, It's chapter one. And Micah, what's really interesting about Micah when it comes to sin and salvation, is he's preaching about sin and and salvation in a time where you're not hearing a word about it. You're just hearing potential doom and gloom based upon if they're feeding the prophets. There's no, much like a lot of popular preaching today, there's no talk about the severity of sin and the security of hope that comes through Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that our job as Christians is to go around barking at people. In sin. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know how the church can be known for that? Do we know that? Like we're just like, we know what's wrong with you. You are, you know. You know, it's like it can just be so unloving and so hurtful. Um, it's been said, right, to, to, to speak the truth without love is brutality. But to love without truth is hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. Like, if someone comes up to you and they got that thing up in their teeth, hey, you're like, you ate salad, uh, hi, and you, you lovingly don't tell them and help them, you're not loving them, okay? You're insulting them. You're not, you're, you help, like, hey, I see, like, I love you enough, and that's such a small matter. What about sin, right? So, so this is important. This is important. We're not out, we're not out here to, to judge and, and, and bark at people for their sin. But our message of salvation is only hope because sin is so severe. So there is no good news of the gospel if there's not first bad news that it saves us from. Is that making sense? So we we preach sin not to condemn. We preach sin to call to repentance. 
We preach sin because there's a Savior who took that sin. And so that's what we see with Micah. He wants the people to, to have ears to hear that. Have ears to hear. And, and it's not, often that's not popular today. It's, 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 um, it's a lot easier to grow a, grow a church in our culture just talking pragmatically about stuff. Like 10 steps to a financially healthy life. And we're going to do a 10-week series on this. And, and six keys to relationships. And, and I'm not, listen, we'll do topical messages. And I'm not, there's a whole book in the Bible called Proverbs for a reason. You know what I'm saying? But there is a way to handle God's word, there is a way to approach the ministry where you do your best to never step on a single toe. Because if I step on your toe, that's a potential tithe. If I offend you, that's a potential empty seat. And if the mission of the church is to fill buildings, then we're going to say whatever keeps people in the building. Um, but the mission of the church is to preach the gospel. And it's a gospel that is the good news of God's love for sinners. And uh, what Micah is saying to the people of Israel is, is not, hey, here's five steps to help your, your kind of sad life. He's like, your sin is sad and it's severe. That's, that's where the message starts. All have sinned. So look what he says. You, got, you have Micah 1. Hear all you peoples. Listen all the earth. All that's in it. So I love that he's speaking to Israel. But he's like, because everybody's a sinner, everybody else listen up too. Notice this imagery of God's judgment coming on them for their sin. Like sin's a big deal. He says, let the Lord be a witness against you. Like that's not a great courtroom situation. I'm going to call to the stand God. And there you are as the, what are you called? Defendant. Good thing I didn't say prosecutor. I wasn't going to say that. So God's coming as a witness, and the Lord from his holy temple, look at verse 3, for behold the Lord, notice this, this, this language. Micah speaking to his people. For behold, the Lord is coming out of this place. He will come down. So God's, it's like God's coming. And this is not like an exciting, like, oh, the Lord's coming. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. This is like, you don't want this coming. He will come down, he'll tread on the high places of the earth. Look at this, the mountains will melt under him. The valleys will split like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Now, the people would say, it's our leaders. He goes, no, it's Samaria, it's you guys. What are the high places of Judah? Are they not... Jerusalem. So God pronounces judgment. Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field, places for planting a vineyard. I will pour down her stones into the valley. I will uncover her foundations. So this is God bringing heavy judgment. This is what Micah comes to preach. Uh, look at Micah 3.8. He says this about himself. What's, what's unique about his own ministry? Micah 3. Let's see. I think I have it here. Micah 3. There it is. Uh, he says this, but truly I'm full. Now he's talking about the other prophets and he says about his own ministry, I'm full of the power of the spirit of God. Here's Micah's ministry and of justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. So, so Micah's like, God's called me not to, to like grow and have bigger fame. I'm not here for more followers. I'm here to help people follow Jesus. I'm here to help people follow. Like that's the problem. So he's boldly speaking the truth. Look at Micah 1 verse 7. God starts uh, through Micah speaking to the nature of their sin. He says, all her carved images shall be beaten into pieces and all her pay as a harlot shall be burned with the fire. All her idols I will lay desolate. 
for she gathered it from the pay of a harlot, and they shall return to the pay of the harlot. So God is he's describing Israel's sin, and this is, by the way, when we speak to sin, and we're like, you know, what is sin? There, and there's so many definitions to this. Uh, this is a great, simple place to start. I mean, sin is obviously breaking God's law. Sin is, sin is we talked with Jonah, right? It's about running away from God. It's running from God's will. But you can get really descriptive and say, well, okay, what is God's law? Well, his first one is no other gods before him. Like, and by the way, you don't have to go through all ten to show someone they're a sinner, okay? Like, let's start with one and let's end with one, okay? What is God's laws? That he alone is your God. That you as creation worship creator and not any created thing. And this is what God is calling out Israel for. He's like, here's your sin. Idolatry. And, and here's what's interesting. God calls their idolatry adultery. Isn't that interesting? He's like, in your idolatry of worshiping these other things, you've cheated on me as your own God. Your idolatry is adultery, is what he says. And, and by the way, we're like, oh, yeah, they had these carved images. Like, listen, you don't need a carved image to have an idol. Okay? So an, an idol is anything that you make to be God in your life. It's anything. It's that thing keeping you from God's will. It's that thing you're choosing over God's will. It could be a relationship. It, it could be... It can be church, like church stuff. Like, I've seen that. Like, I'm just speaking to myself, I guess, you know. But, like, I've seen that in ministry. It's, you know, it's usually the, the Christian things that can be the most idolatrous. Like, guys, politics? Just say that. Okay. Security team available? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. All right. Sincerely, C.S. Lewis said, or sorry, John Calvin said that the human heart is an idol factory. And just so easy. Now, that, that's the sin. That's what we call people. Listen, you were created for God, and you're worshiping the wrong thing. That's the, the sin. Now, uh, it's interesting. Micah's response to their sin is very unique. I do not recommend you and I to respond exactly this. In some ways, I do. But notice what Micah does. Therefore, I will wail, and I will howl. Look at verse. This is really interesting. If you haven't been reading this, you should read it now. Verse 8. It gets nearly rated R here. I will go stripped and naked. It's like, Micah, you don't have to do that. <laughs> it's like, okay. But he goes, I will, notice this, I will make a wailing like the jackals and a mourning like the ostriches. You know, you know those mourning ostriches? They are always mourning, those ostriches. But, but I want you to see something about Micah. This sounds, this is, again, this is poetic. I want you to notice that the sin of Micah's nation is something he's taking upon himself. This is really important. He's not separating himself from sinful humanity. He's grieving it. He realizes the effects of sin, not just in the nation around them, but my goodness, I think, I think the church could do some good to also recognize our own involvement in what's wrong with this world. Like, what about me? It's always someone else, what they're doing, what they're doing, what they're doing, and that leader or that leader. What about you? Where's the sin in your life that you got to grieve over, Right? Like, so there, this beautiful display of humility. Now, look at verse 10. This is an interesting verse. Tell it not, this is Micah saying, tell it not in Gath. Tell it not in Gath. What does that mean? Gath is the territory of the Philistines. This is really close to Micah's hometown. And we're just, again, we're talking about the severity of sin. And Micah's like, he's talking here about the judgment coming upon Israel for their sin, and he's, he's probably thinking about what God called Israel to be, which is a light to the nations. Like, I've called my people to be priests for me, to be a light to the darkness around them. 
And instead of carrying their light into the darkness, they've allowed darkness to permeate their lives. He's like, please don't tell our, our, our pagan neighbors, is what he's saying. Please don't tell the unbelieving world um, that another leader has had to resign because of sin. Like, it's shameful when it happens. I've seen it happen too many times. And you, you've, have you felt that before? Like the reproach, like that, grieve, that grievous reproach? I felt it for my own life. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about us. Where it's like, oh, Lord, you've called me to so much more than this. And here I am at work. Tell it not in Gath, right? Tell it not to my coworkers. And again, the, the idea here is just to think about the weight of sin. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1 talks about a unique kind of sin. Micah 2, 1 says, Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. They practice evil at the morning light because it's in the power of their hand. So this is, Micah starts really getting into all the sin of this nation. He's speaking about their sin in a, in a full way. And here he talks about a kind of sin that's premeditated. That's interesting. Like God hates sin and what it causes. But there's a certain kind of evil that comes through really like planning out. And he says they're devising their sin. We've all been there. We, we know that there's sins that were like, oops. And then there's sin that we're like, yep. I thought hard about doing that one. I, I created a plan. I created, I devised it. I sat in the room and I thought, how am I going to get back at that person? Okay, how am I going to cover up this? How am I, so th this is, he's just, again, calling it out. Now, the whole point of Micah calling out sin is ultimately for people to see where they're really at by themselves, because that's the truth, in order that they may look beyond themselves to a hope and a salvation that comes from God and God alone. Okay, So there's an interesting section in chapter 4 where Micah starts now speaking, hopefully, it actually even begins in chapter 2 in verse 12. He speaks about, remember this mixture of hope and, ju and judgment and hope and hope and judgment? Well, the judgment is because of their sin. But then he starts speaking of hope. He says, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. Now it's getting good. It's getting happier. Okay? I will gather the remnant of Israel. I put them I'll put them together like sheep of the fold, like a flock in the midst of their pasture. And they shall make a loud noise. I just hear a bunch of sheep making loud noises there. But because of so many people. So this is, the, now this is now where God starts saying, okay, here's the indictment. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For every single one of us haven't gotten past obeying the first commandment. We've all created idols in our own ways. We've all in our own ways have premeditated our sinful choices. We've all in some way as humanity, we have borne the shame of our sin and our mistakes. Where does that lead us? It leads us to look to God. It leads us to stop looking within and go, okay, now how do I fix this? You can't. That's not the hope of the gospel. It's how you fix it. That's not the plan of salvation. Notice, I didn't even really mean to put it like, aesthetically all on the same side but notice God saying I will I will I, God's saying I'm gonna save you I'm gonna be the one to do it he goes on to continue to stress this point he says in that day says the Lord I will assemble the lame I will gather the outcast whom I have afflicted judgment is coming but I'm gonna I'm gonna save you I will gather I will make the, the lame a remnant and the outcast a strong nation. God is speaking to his people and he's saying, this is the truth of where you're at, but look what I am going to do. Have an ear to hear what God says about sin and salvation. Uh, we need to have an ear to hear about the truth of sin. Okay? 
we need a church that is going to continue to preach sin and repentance. For we have no other gospel if there is no sin and there's not a need to turn and, and you know, repudiate that sin. But also have an ear to hear about the hope of salvation. Like some of us, your problem is you're too mindful of your sin. You're more mindful of your sin than you are your Savior. And so all you're ever looking at is the shame and the, and the regret and the guilt. And by doing that, you're taking glory away from the cross. Don't do that. Boast in the cross. It's humble to say, Jesus paid it all for me. It's a humble thing to say, God saved me. That's a humble thing. It's not a boasting thing. Because you're not saying, you're saying you can't do it. He's the one that has to do it. So have an ear, not just to hear about the truth of sin. Have an ear to hear about the hope of your salvation. Like, by the way, that's what we're ultimately here to do. We're not here to beat each other over the head because we're not changing enough. You're not changing. You're not changing. You're not being better. You're not doing more. No, no, no. Our message, it centers on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Okay? So have an ear to hear about that. Uh, and then this is a, probably the most famous part of Micah is, is where he talks about having an ear to hear what God simply wants from his people. So it's like, okay, God, I see my sin. I see your salvation. But what a great question for the people of God to ask. Okay, but what do you want from me? What do you want from me, God? And that's Micah 6, where uh, there's this famous dialogue between God and his people. And, and the people are saying this in Micah 6, verse 6. The people say, with what shall I come before God and bow myself before him? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So the people are coming and they're going, okay, God's, I'm, I'm a sinner. God's a savior. What does God want from me? What a great question. God, what do you want for my life? What pleases you? How should I come before you? And, and the, the important thing about hearing God with this is a lot of times the reason why we don't hear what God wants from us, and instead of it being simple and it's complex, is because we assume. We assume we know what God wants from us. Mostly because of what we caught through religion. Do you know what I'm saying? I've been raised in church my whole life. Of course, no, that's probably why you don't know what God wants from you, okay? That's not why you're going to really know what he wants. And we can complexify. God, what do you want from me? Is, i got to be a better person. i got to come to church more. And that's kind of what the people are saying. i got to bring my sacrifice to the Lord. As if God is somehow ultimately pleased when we accomplish these, you know, tasks of reluctant sacrifice. Like, okay, I read my Bible. Okay, God, I won't do that. Okay, and it's like, that's how they're coming to God. God, what do I need to do? And they're kind of thinking about it in this performative way. Like, how can I make God happy with me? And, and that sort of mindset, which is a religious mindset, which is without the cross, which has you trying to earn your relationship with God rather than living from it, it'll cause you to eventually burn out and give up. Because you just don't have within you the ability to, nobody does, to, to perfectly. So God's like, listen, that, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking, for, listen, with my people, with my nation, he, and so I love this. He gives just a heartfelt cry to his people. Here's my heart. It's simple. Here's what I want from my people. He says in verse 8, I have shown you, O man, what is good. Here's what I want. Here's what the Lord requires of you. Not reluctant sacrifice, but he says, but to do justly, love mercy, and just walk humbly with your God. 
we can see these as um, responsibilities. But earlier in chapter 6, Micah is saying, you do this because God has saved you. So it's, it's not a responsibility that you do with your, your hands to honor God simply. It's a response that you do with your life because it's in your heart. So these are things that come out of the life of, of someone who's been impacted by the saving God. It is doing justly. I, I saw God, he cared for me when I was broken down. He had compassion on me. And so whenever I see someone who's not a recipient of the love and the compassion of God, I, 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 or, or life rather, I'm going to bring that to them. I'm going to do justly. I'm going to do rightly. I'm going to do fairly. I'm not going to show, James talks about, I'm not going to show favoritism to some over others. I'm not going to be racist, okay? Like, and sh- like 101, right? I'm going to do justly. I'm going to be like God. God loves all people. He loves the whole world. I'm going to do justly. I'm going to love mercy. I'm going to love mercy because I have received mercy, because my hope is in the mercy of God. And I'm going to love that mercy enough to show it to others. I'm going to walk humbly with God. I'm not going to depend on myself. I'm not going to look to my performance. I'm going to depend on him and who he is. I'm going to walk humbly with my God. Ears to hear what God simply wants from his people. And I'll invite the band up. We're going to transition here to communion for this last one. Is uh, ears to hear what God shows about his character. Okay? So, so we have ears to hear the truth, the hard truth, but the loving truth about sin and salvation. we got to have open ears for that. We, we have ears to hear what God requires of us, not coming to him assuming something, but just seeing the simple requirements that God has for his people to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. And then lastly is ears to hear what God is like, what God shows about his character. But when you follow the narrative of Micah, you find the people of God heeding the words of the prophet, which is awesome. Now, eventually, it it would fade away. It was kind of a a momentary heeding uh, as they would once again be led away uh, back into their sin. But but what you do see in Micah uh, 6 and 7 is their repentance, for this moment at least. Them saying, God, we're going to come back to you. And what's most fascinating about the way that Micah ends this book, in light of all that he's already said, in light of all that he's called the people to hear, is he ends with giving God's people a confidence in who God will always be based on the character that he always shows to those that come to him and call out to him. The the book ends in Micah 7. I would love for you to look at it as we close. Micah 7, the book ends here. Who is a God like you? Okay, so that's Micah's name. Who is like the Lord? Micah ends with, who's God like you? Notice this pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever. I love this because he delights in mercy. Isn't that interesting? God doesn't show us mercy out of reluctant compulsion. He delights in being merciful to us as we come to him as we are. He will again and again and again, it says in verse 19, have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. I love that. The word subdue means trample on. He'll step all over our sin in his love. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham, which you've sworn to our fathers from days of old. In other words, God, this is who you've always promised to be. It's who you continue to be. It's who you'll always be. 
It's who God is right now. If you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to you, it's that God is much more merciful to you than you imagine Him to be. God is much more gracious and loving towards your sin than you expect Him to be. He takes your sin and He throws into the deepest depth of the ocean. He tramples over our sin with His love. This is who God is. Do you have an ear to hear what He's saying? The point is, you, you want to have an ear to hear that because that's good news. And there's no greater display of God being the way that he is, like this, his character being most specifically seen and known through sending his son Jesus to ultimately provide for our sin and provide for our salvation by going to a cross, and upon that cross, taking upon himself all of our sin, going into the grave, out of, by, out of a work of love, it's been said it wasn't our, just our sin that held Jesus on the cross. It was his love. He went to a grave and he overcame death. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. And here's what this leads us to ask. Man, who's like God? Micah's name. Who's like God? There, in other words, no one, right? There's no one else like this. There's no one else worthy of my trust. There's no one else worthy of my life. For who is like the Lord but God? Thanks again for tuning in. We pray that you were blessed by today's message. If you'd like to visit us in person, we gather at Don Estridge High Tech Middle School in Boca Raton, Florida, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more sermon content and information, you can check out solaschurch.com.